The Oklahoma Sooners projected to get a running back in the 2024 cycle, but who? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. And check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Let us know where you're watching from in the YouTube comments. We'd love to hear that. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, we've got a bit of a surprise here Wednesday evening, uh, just a few hours ago, actually, as four-star running back Tavani Mazel was once committed to Georgia, is now no longer committed. Now, the intriguing thing about that is less than an hour after he announces his decommitment from the Bulldogs, our buddy over at OU Insider 247 Sports, Parker Thune, issues a crystal ball in favor of your Oklahoma Sooners. The Oklahoma Sooners now seem to be in the running, the favorites at this point to land two running backs in the 2024 cycle, actually three running backs in the 2024 cycle. We'll talk about all of those, but first of all, Tavani Mazel, Josh, that that's an intriguing prospect for the Sooners. Well, not done here. Long way to go in any of these recruitments, but feels like this might be the first commit in the 2024 class, just based on the fact that obviously uh, the, Dematha Catholic high school product, six foot, 195, blue chipper, four star kid per 247 sports, 214th player nationally, 15th ranked running back, number four player from the state of Maryland, has been committed to Georgia, decommits from Georgia. Crystal Ball, as you said, John, comes in for Oklahoma. So all of those things in concert with one another sort of leads you to believe, okay, Parker Thune feels like perhaps a flip and pledge to OU could be imminent here. So it's a, it's a huge flip just on that front alone. The fact that now you're going to be in more and more of these head-to-head recruiting battles with the Georgias, with the Alabamas of the world. And oh, by the way, it, it looks like this is tracking because guess what? Oklahoma was on the wrong end of one of these in last cycle with a wide receiver that uh, you thought was coming to Oklahoma flips winds up with Georgia seems like the shoe might be on the other foot for the old dogs, the two-time champions uh, defending Georgia Bulldogs here. So that aspect of it alone, I mean, Tavani Mazel's tape, we can talk about that, John. It obviously looks really impressive as you would expect from a four-star kid. But honestly, what grabs me the most here as this thing tracks along is you got somebody that was committed to Georgia that looks like he's going to be playing for Oklahoma instead. Yeah, you can't really undersell that aspect of it. Anytime that you go up against a Georgia, an Alabama, a Florida, an LSU, a Texas, Oregon, Michigan, any of those big time programs across the college football landscape, and you're head to head with them, even if you don't land them to be in a final three, a final five, I think that speaks volumes, but also to be in the running to flip a guy from Georgia, that's huge. 
yeah, you lost to Anthony Evans to the Georgia Bulldogs this past fall. Tavani Mazel potentially could be your your bounce back. Your uh, I don't know how to say this, but your your volley back at the Bulldogs. You know they lobbed one at you. You're lobbing one back. But this is kind of going to be the way it's going to be because Oklahoma under Brent Venables, they really want to recruit the East Coast, the Southeast. That's where they're going to plant their flag. So to be able to go to the East Coast and potentially get a guy, if the crystal ball really holds true, to get a guy that has been offered by everybody. I mean, you look at his offer sheet and it's got Alabama, it's got Georgia, it's got USC, it's got Oregon, it's got Texas A&M, Florida, pick a team, Virginia Tech. I mean, Maryland's on there as well, the in-state program. So there's a lot of options for – huh? Penn State. Penn State, Pitt. A a lot of options for this kid, and he's considering going to Oklahoma to to be with the Sooners. And interestingly enough, this is on the heels of, which we'll talk about later in the show, Oklahoma receiving favorable news on Xavier Robinson. They had already been trending in a a really good direction on Caden Durham. I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners seem seemingly – are getting a lot of really good vibes and or are putting out a lot of good vibes to running backs right now. And that's in no small part due to DeMarco Murray. And we'll talk about him in the, in the second segment, but yeah, man, Tavani Mazel looking at what he put on huddle. He's a really intriguing kid, really good contact balance. He runs strong. He runs physical, even though he's a little bit more of an upright runner, similar to a DeMarco Murray. Actually, I'm not saying he's DeMarco Murray, but he, has that same kind of an upright running style a little bit more agile, I think than what we saw out of Murray at times, good spin move. He's able to, you know, beat guys to the corner. He's got good speed and, you know, he's also a really good receiver as well. So just a really, really intriguing prospect and somebody that I think Jeff Levy would love to have in Norman uh, to figure out a lot of different ways that they could use him in the, in the offense. Well, and this is, again, we, we keep prefacing it by, if this thing plays out that way, because it is, it is just a crystal ball prediction from Parker Thune, but you just connect the dots. Somebody decommits and all of a sudden there's a crystal ball prediction into Oklahoma tells us that Parker feels really confident that this is going to go in Oklahoma's direction, but another win, another feather in the cap for DeMarco Murray. We think if it goes this direction, Jeff Lebby, the secondary recruiter here per 24 seven sports for uh, Mr. Tavani Mazel. When I flip on the tape, uh, you know, he's he's got it listed on his huddle page, John, that he's a 4-3 guy. I'm going to need to see that clocked out before I say that Tavani Mazel is a 4-3 guy. Here's what they here's what they say as a sophomore via the track season. Posted a 100-meter dash time of 11.37 seconds, also had an 11.46 and an 11.53. So that to me would be off the pace of four three but either way i mean he's big he's strong he does run well whether or not that's four three speed or four 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 five speed six foot 195 with uh obviously weight to be added to that frame easy to see why this is a top 220 guy nationally easy to see why he's regarded as a top 15 top 20 running back uh you know depending on whether you're looking at the composite rankings on 24 7 sports or just 24 7 sports rankings in general so i really like what I see just on tape from Tavani Mizell, 
Again, you touched on the hands. Uh, you're always looking for that dual threat capability from running backs anymore. I mean, that's just so important in the game of football. I know my man Teddy Lehman always likes to laugh when uh, folks talk about running backs being able to catch the football out of the backfield. I think his mindset has always been, are you kidding me? Every running back should be able to catch the football out of the backfield. But I can report that you turn on Tavani Mizell's tape and you can see that obviously he can do some of those things uh, going forward if uh, if he does choose Oklahoma. So I like what I see, man. Easy to see why he's a blue chip kid, John. Yeah, we're going to talk about DeMarco Murray's impact because Tavani just spent a weekend with the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman this past weekend. Apparently that made a big impression on the four-star kid. Oklahoma Sooners down big to Oklahoma State, about two minutes to play in the game as we're recording right now. We'll talk about that a little bit later here in the show as this game seems to be winding down and Oklahoma's season seems to be coming to a close. Uh, but Josh, coming up next, let's talk about DeMarco Murray. Let's talk about the impact that he's having on the recruiting trail. Uh, but first, folks, let's talk to you about FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Hey, with DeMarco Murray recruiting running backs, man, no sweat. Over at FanDuel, you can get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes made. Again, go to FanDuel. You can bet on the NBA. Major League Baseball is coming up. You got player props, points, Everything you can think of over at FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So Josh, the DeMarco Murray impact, you cannot understate it at this point. Several years ago, just before I got on hosting Locked On Sooners, the buzz on DeMarco Murray was just struggling to recruit. Now he had just landed Seth McGowan, you know, in that 2020 recruiting cycle. And we saw kind of how that one kind of played out. But prior to even Seth McGowan, who was a four-star kid at the time, there just wasn't a lot really to speak of for DeMarco Murray on the recruiting trail, still making that transition from Arizona as the running backs coach there back to Norman, where was his home during college. So you can understand why it took maybe a, a couple of years to get that, that ball rolling, but man, now the ball is rolling. The train is on the tracks, set it full steam ahead. And DeMarco Murray just seems to be, he seems to be the, the, the super, you know, the super giant, you know, the gas giant right now that's got all the gravitational pull and everything that's coming out of Norman coming out about Murray coming out from Eric gray, other running backs is they just want to play with DeMarco Murray. They want to be coached by DeMarco Murray. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be the, the gentleman's track record at the university of Oklahoma. It, uh, hopefully it doesn't get taken for granted by Oklahoma fans because DeMarco Murray was sensational at OU, but when you're talking about a place that has also uh, been the home of, oh my gosh, I mean, just in recent memory, so folks don't get upset that I'm not listing off the old-time Heisman Trophy winning running backs here, but you know, when you're talking about a program that's housed Adrian Peterson and Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon and on and on and on, all these great running backs in recent memory, you almost, you almost lose 
track sometimes of just how special DeMarco Murray was at Oklahoma. Again, maybe that's a silly statement. Most people I would hope aren't that way, but it's, it's a rich tradition of running back at Oklahoma, but you've got this built-in cachet if you're DeMarco Murray. We've talked about it so many times. And, oh, by the way, you were spectacular. You were an all-pro guy in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys. So you had all of that. Any fears or concerns about DeMarco Murray's ability to land top-flight talent at OU was so wildly misguided and so wildly incorrect and too quick to the finish line for Oklahoma fans that would be nervous about that. It's been it's been proven out now over time when you think about Sawchuck and Barnes and Smothers and Hicks. And, oh, by the way, you're just getting going in this class. And this is why I told you, John, to me, I wasn't going to be surprised if a running back was the first commit for OU. And this is honestly before Tavani Mazel was sort of on the radar here, at least for us right here on Locked On Sooners, talking about him being a potentially imminent commitment for Oklahoma, just because guess what? There's going to be great running backs coming to Oklahoma, committing, signing with Oklahoma, and there's only two spots on the bus, okay? There's only two seats left on this uh, this Amtrak, so you better hop on quick or else it's leaving the station and you're not coming with Oklahoma. So with all of that at play for OU, man, it's uh, it's it's easy to see where somebody would say, man, I don't, I don't want to miss out on this. No, and especially when you, you, know, you do have a similar running style to the guy that's going to be coaching you. You know, he can, he can help you understand how to best protect yourself from the wear and tear of carrying the, you know, carrying a big workload, best protect yourself from taking undue punishment at the position. I mean, you want to be the guy delivering it, not receiving it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why not. And, you know, I think a guy like Tashard choice, you know, he, uh, was at or had was going to go to USC. I think he went to Texas, maybe ended up at Alabama. I can't remember where he's at now. He's moved around so much, but another NFL running back played with the Dallas Cowboys um, has that, you know, recruiting cachet as well because he played in the league for several years, but DeMarco Murray takes it to another level, led the league in rushing, had a, a prolonged career, you know, saw the good and the bad of the NFL, saw the, the great things of it saw the negative aspects of it, saw the wear and tear and how your body can, can really get worn down with a big workload. I think he, the year he ran, he, he led the league in rushing, carried the ball like 390 times. Like it was a huge amount of, of work on him. And, and after that season, it was a little bit different for him. I mean, he's still a productive player, but that that kind of stuff wears on you. And I think what he's establishing in Norman, especially with, you know, bringing in two four stars in 2022 or 2021, 2020, or sorry, 2022, the 2023 cycle. And now looking like he could bring in two four stars and maybe even another three star as well. Is that, hey, listen, guys, I know you want to be the feature guy. I know you want to be the 2025 carry guy, but let's listen. I've been that guy. Let me give you 10 to 15 carries a game. Let me manage your workload. Let me get the best out of you, the most explosive plays I can get out of you. That way you've got something left. Like you've got, you're, you're not getting worn down in college. And then when you get to the NFL, you're not going to be able to, to, to withstand the, the punishment, withstand the workload. You know, the, the days of the Adrian Petersons, the, you know, 
you don't see it very often anymore where guys are carrying the ball 300, 350 times in a season at the NFL level. You got Derrick Henry, and that's about it um, at the NFL level right now. And even there, there's reports that Tennessee might trade him uh, because at some point running backs decline. And so you want to kind of preserve your college years a little bit. You want to obviously you want to have that production, but you don't want to be running to the ground either because you hope that there's more for you at the end, at the other side of it. So just the wisdom that it comes, that comes from experience that DeMarco Murray has, I think it will, it will trickle down and it translates to these kids and, and gives them a better opportunity to have better longevity and be able to play longer if they are able to make it to the NFL level. And I don't see any reason why they won't be able to make it because I mean, some of these guys they've gave, they've got legit NFL traits with the speed or the, the receiving ability, it's going to give them an opportunity to, to make an impact at the next level. Well, and you know, we've talked a lot about DeMarco Murray and his history, both at OU and in the NFL, but just, you think about the last quarter century, 20 years, whatever it would be. Oklahoma's put a lot of guys in the national football league and they've been cashing checks. And that's going to be attractive that you've got a coach, by the way, that has, been there and done that but oh by the way the program itself just it's not DeMarco Murray it's been a number of guys uh, Oklahoma would be very competitive nationally in that department and probably we could have this conversation about a lot of position groups John but certainly running back and oh by the way before I toss it back to you here to shard choice the intern coaching intern with the Dallas Cowboys grad assistant at North Texas and then he was the running backs coach at North Texas three seasons with Georgia tech as the running backs coach. And uh, currently the university of Texas running backs coach. So wishing him nothing but failures moving forward. That's right. Yeah. Even though he's a former Dallas Cowboy, you're, you're dead to me because you play for Texas or you coach for Texas. Uh, Josh. So Caden Durham, Xavier Robinson, Tavani Mazzell. There's there's a chance that they could end up taking a, a little bit heavier running back class one, because these three running backs are kind of different running backs like Caden Durham. He's a little bit more of that do it all scat back type of player that you might be able to even line up in the slot and, you know, have him run jet sweeps and things like that, as opposed to just a traditional tailback, a guy like Xavier Robinson, who we talked about several times this week, uh, once on our show. And then also when we had John uh, Garcia on dude's a bruiser, you know, just reminds her of Ramondre Stevenson. And then you got uh, Tavani Mazel. It seems like he's kind of a Jovante Barnes, again, guy with an upright running style that's going to be able to, you know, take that, you know, 12 to 16, 17 carries a game and be kind of that lead back uh, type for you. Uh, but just a really interesting, diverse set of players to, to potentially end up with Oklahoma. It's, it's really intriguing. Yeah, that's an interesting question on – would they or would they or would they not? Because, uh, I mean, obviously, if something happens between now and the early signing day into the spring portion, if one of these guys hadn't inked and all of a sudden you, you get past that early signing day and look, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news here for anybody, but the transfer portal exists. If somebody decides, you know what, it's not really working out for me and Norman, then maybe you take three uh, because of that. But right now, I mean, you start thinking about, what the running back future in Oklahoma looks like. Well, you're going to have Sawchuck back in, in uh, 2024. You're going to have Javante Barnes back in 2024. Neither one of those two guys would have been uh, 
They're, they're not going to be eligible to go to the NFL draft. Smothers, Hicks, you would have on campus. So that's four right there. So I can't imagine, man, that they would they would have seven scholarship running backs on campus. But uh, so that would surprise me. I think two, I'm guessing two tops unless something changes, right? Unless somebody says, you know what, eh, not working out for me. Well, and yeah, we talked about Xavier Robinson, you know, how he is a two-way player. He played some defense, getting recruited by Brent Venables as well. Could be just kind of that athlete that they're going to get on campus and then figure out where he might fit best. Could be a linebacker for the Sooners. Or he could he be a, he could be a tight end? He's got the size to be potentially a tight end um, at the uh, collegiate level too because of his athleticism and just the the do-it-all nature that he has. You know, he he plays some, you know, he throws some passes, he catches passes uh, for um, Midwest City. So, or not Midwest, Carl Albert. Um, high school. So a lot of potential there. Uh, Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners season has come to an end. Now there's a possibility of an NIT tournament, but that's the NIT. Uh, The Oklahoma Sooners fell tonight to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I don't have the score directly in front of me, Josh. 57-49 Oklahoma State uh, doesn't just sweep Oklahoma. They beat them three times. Yeah, just a just another poor shooting night for the Oklahoma Sooners. They just can't um, can't find a way to shoot consistently. And when that happens, you're going to get beat bad, especially when you don't have an inside presence um, that can match up with what Oklahoma State has on the inside. Oklahoma shot 25% uh, on the night and actually shot a little bit better from three at 26.1%. Um, they were just you know, six of 23 though, from beyond the, beyond the arc, uh, you know, only nine turnovers. So they protected the ball. Well, um, they rebounded well, but if you can't shoot, you can't score. It doesn't matter. Like the, the other things, like they go out the window if you're not scoring. And that's just been the downfall of this team. When they've been bad, they've been really bad. Uh, they've had some really high, you know, really good moments this year, but, just the inconsistency of this team is has been maddening uh, as we've watched them all season. Well, B. John Cortez, which, oh, by the way, was not going particularly well in the first half offensively at all. And then B. John Cortez with four minutes left in the first half had hit back-to-back three-pointers. All of a sudden, it's 22-20 Oklahoma State in front of Oklahoma. And you're like, wait a second here. Okay, after trailing by as many as, I think at some juncture in that first half, it had ballooned up to 11-13. I don't have the number in front of me, but it was in that neighborhood. All the way back, back within a bucket, you'd scored 20 points at that point. And that's, oh, by the way, again, with Cortez knocking back-to-back three-pointers down in consecutive trips. The rest of the way, John, the next 24 minutes of basketball, you score 29 points. And it felt like felt like they added quite a few in the final, I don't know, 90 seconds or so or two minutes. I mean, it, it didn't even feel like they were going to get to 29 the rest of the way from, you know, when they had it back to within two. So offensively, uh, poor performance. They actually, you know, again on the glass, kind of got pushed around again in this game, which is not super surprising. They were out-rebounded by 10, gave up four more offensive rebounds than they got versus Oklahoma State, which has been – that's been the the story of this game all season uh, versus Oklahoma State is they don't don't really have a good answer for Cissé and for Boone. So, man, I I, I will say, though, in regards to Tanner Groves, you know, as we have been taping here, the game was going final, so kind of glancing off to my side and watching the end of it, 
he wasn't a fan favorite, right? There's no glossing over that, but Tanner Groves was very, very emotional as this came to an end. Someone that is not going to leave OU as any sort of a fan favorite. There's just no way to say that without that being just the transparent truth. And yet you could see John, the emotion from Tanner Groves, who it didn't go according to plan for himself, for Porter Moser, for anybody within this program, these last couple of years. And I don't know what the fix is, John. I'm not sure they got to find shooters, you know, and cause there, there were open looks. They they'd get open looks in a lot of these games that they lost and they lost big, but they just didn't have the guys that can hit those, those open threes on a regular basis. And, you know, you look up and down the roster and up and down the lineup and, you know, Grant Sherfield, who was the guy that was supposed to kind of be the, the key to this season, just, he was not very good, especially when his conference play started. Um, you know, he had a really strong non-conference, had some really good games early in the conference schedule, but I feel like teams kind of figured him out and he just wasn't good enough. Uh, you talked about Tanner. Again, just inconsistent, you know, not able to really do a whole lot on the inside when his shots not falling from the outside. He just it's kind of a liability out there. Um, the best players that you got down the stretch were probably Milo Suzan and, and uh, Otega Owe. Like, but even then, like true freshman players that you couldn't rely on to just give the basketball to and go and say, go fill it up, you know, go. Just go take over the game. And I don't know if that's Porter Mosier's game, if that's his style at all, to just roll the ball out there and and just let a guy go play. It seems like this this offense is very structured and there's not a lot of um, opportunity for unstructure or for just you know free play. But until they can find enough adequate shooters, guys that can hit from three 35% of the time, they're going to struggle offensively. And so the question becomes – are they going to be able to recruit those guys? Are they, are they going to be able to find the guys that can hit from three? Now they need more athletes on the inside too. They got bullied. They got out jumped out athletic uh, on the inside a lot this year. And that's going to be a key component, you know, a key question for the Sooners as they go into the off season, are, are there going to be transfer portal additions that will make the big difference? I'm not so sure. And while I don't, think that Porter Mosier gets fired after this year. I certainly think that the seat will be hot going into the 2023, 2024 season. So I'm tabulating this as we speak and I apologize. Others probably have already done this, but Hey, we're, we're live and we're doing this live as we speak here. The numbers through two seasons for Porter Moser 34 and now 33 overall. So just one game better than 500 Obviously, you, I, everybody knows that's not going to cut it. 12 and 24 in regular season, Big 12 games, and now one and two in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, a couple of inspired performances in the Big 12 tournament last year. He had the win over Baylor. That was pretty shocking and, and nearly followed it up with another uh, what would have been a great win over Texas Tech, but it didn't happen. You lost the heartbreaker there, and then uh, obviously tonight was – uh, more indicative, I would say, John, of how this season played out versus last year's stay in the Big 12 tournament, how indicative it was of maybe Oklahoma's season. So things got to change. They've got to improve, and they've got to get better in a hurry. This, I think, is going to be another offseason, I would bet, that is uh, 
sort of defined by a lot of transfer portal overhauling. And that's unfortunately in part because of Lon Kruger and where he left things for Oklahoma, but that's kind of been to date. The Porter Moser era is okay. It looks like this coming in. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. And here it looks like this. Well, eh, no, it doesn't. And so I feel like we're headed for another one of those off seasons, John, to where there's no stability for the program right now. The only stability is the fact that uh, it's just not going very well. So yeah, he's, he's on the hot seat. I, I hope it works out. I really like Porter Moser. I, I'm going to say this. I don't think he's getting fired, but that is absolutely a possibility, right? I mean, it, it definitely has to be just based on the way that the team has played um, over the last couple months of the season. It just, you get beat bad um, or you have nights like tonight, even though you lost by eight, you, you were very much in that game. You could have won that game. You only got outscored by two points in the second half but you just couldn't shoot. And again, that, that's not all on the coach. They, but you got to make adjustments that allow your players to, to succeed where they can potentially succeed the most. Or you got to tell a guy like Milo Susan, Hey, you got to shoot more. You got to, he only put up five shots tonight. He was two of three from three and two of five on, from the field. Like that's a guy that has to have the ball in his hands more and he has to shoot more. But We'll see where they go. We'll see where the program goes uh, this offseason. They've got a lot of questions that they've got to answer. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then. Boomer Sooner.